Welcome to the podcast, Bringing Truth to Life, where we talk about what the scriptures say that can help you get unstuck from the thorny issues of life and encourage you to live the life you've been wanting to live with Christ. Our speaker today is Henry Clay. We are in a series called Parenting Teens, looking at principles that can guide your thinking as you try to lead and survive your teenagers. May this be helpful to you, and may it also give you truth to share with those you seek to encourage. Today we want to talk about the key to your children's success. The key to your children's success. I think every sincere parent wants their child to succeed in whatever that means. Uh, you, you, uh, you have dreams for your children, not just that they would be there to take care of you when you need it later on, could support you and visit you and all of those things, but you dream about them uh, being a success uh, vocationally and in their marriage. You dream about uh, eventually, if not yet, grandkids and the appropriate time for that to come, not too soon and not too late. You hope you live long enough to be with your grandchildren and you want your children to be upstanding citizens. So you, you have these desires in your heart for your child to succeed and not fail. That, you know that will bring them joy, it will bring you joy, and it's one of your greatest contributions to the human race, to the planet, to the kingdom of God. Paul said, even though he didn't have any physical children, he wrote of his own children, he says, I have no greater joy than that my children walk in the truth. And frankly, we could probably all say the same thing. If I, it's like the 1 Corinthians 13, although I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I've become, as the King James says, as a sounding gong or a tinkling cymbal. He says, what, what, what good is it? What good is it? This, I, we finally got the house of our dreams, but my kid is on drugs. We finally got that boat out on Lake Murray, and my daughter is pregnant out of wedlock and thinking about killing herself. What good is it? What good is it? We all want our children to succeed. But you have some idea in your mind of well, what will that take? Because you are the most important influence in your children's lives. Which, if they do well, you feel pretty good about that, don't you? And if they do badly, man, you feel awful. A lot is riding on this horse in the race. Now, I came up with a whole thing of, uh, on that parallel of training the Iraqi police force. You know, what, what are the things, if using that paradigm of if that's the paradigm you could use in parenting your teen and what you're trying to do, get them to the point where they don't necessarily have to have you around and they would be able to confront the situations as though you were there in, in wisdom and strength and courage, etc. And I have a list of things about what doesn't help training of your children and as far as their, their ability to face life and uh, what would things would be good and what areas and stuff. But that's not what I want to talk to you about today because I don't think that's the, really the key. There are a lot of things that are necessary. So when I say key, I don't mean just do that and everything else will be fine. I'm just saying it, for sure don't leave this one out. That this, this should be the centerpiece. Those of you that really like celebrations and you do Thanksgiving, you don't just plop the turkey on the table, you know. Anybody that's a decent Thanksgiving celebrator thinking, well, what's going to go in the middle of the table? 
How are we going to decorate it with autumn leaves and maybe a, 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 an Indian and a, and a, I don't know, what is it? would it be a pilgrim? Something, I, you know, obviously I'm not good at it. But anyway, but you're thinking about what would be the centerpiece. I want to talk to you today about what, what should be the centerpiece of parenting in the teen years. And I want you to uh, think with me about a passage of scripture you've known just about all your life in Matthew 22 about the greatest commandment. Matthew 22, 36 through 39 says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like, like it. What is it? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. Now, I want you to notice what he didn't say. He didn't say the greatest commandment is that you behave yourself and stay out of trouble. The greatest commandment is you better know what I have said and you better do it. The greatest commandment, you just need to stay away from idols and all that kind of stuff. Nothing with the occult, no sexual immorality, etc., etc. I want you to notice that the two things he said are both relational. And he said everything else flows out of that. He says, firstly, first you have to be able to have a strong relationship with Almighty God that's characterized by, he already totally loves you. So, I mean, we don't, that's not an if sort of a thing. So, if it breaks down, it wasn't his end, you know. So, so if you think God, if you feel far off from God, who do you think moved? Uh, you know, so the, the relationship with God, since he's already provided all of his part, is what the response out of our part to relate to him. And then he says to love your neighbor as yourself. And that also uh, speaks about relationships. Some people have said that one of the things about the Trinity is that God has always existed in community, in perfect harmony. And even though there is, a, in a sense, a sort of a, a, a hierarchy, the Father is greater than all, and you know the Son is the only begotten, and He says, I came just to do the Father's will, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything but exalt Jesus. So there is sort of some differences in, in the way they relate, from what we've been able to, what he told us in the scripture, but we can't totally understand things like that. But we, what we do see is, is that God is relational. And he's made us in his image. And so he's made us to be relational. And so one of the main things that Satan is going to try to attack is our ability to relate intimately with God and with people. Look at the fall. Adam and Eve sinned, ate the apple, and God comes and says, where are you? Relationally, something has happened. A chapter later, Cain and Abel. And Cain kills Abel. And God comes and says, where's your brother? First was lost the relationship between God and man. And then the relationship between man and man was damaged. And so I believe the key to your children's success is not just that we train the Iraqi police force that they know what, to, what they're supposed to do, that they've been in enough case situations where they've gathered information and wisdom, and so now they pretty much know we've given them the weapons that they need and stuff like that. Again, using this in, in the figurative with your children, that they've gone to school, that we've, we've, we've debriefed with them. You know, we're trying to do all of this other stuff we were talking about. But what I want you to realize is, uh, more importantly than that, your child has to know how to succeed in relationships. 
how to succeed in a relationship with God, to love the Lord their God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength, to perceive God's love for them, to seek God, listen to God, seek Him in the Scriptures, but out of, out of a heart that's been healed from the fall bit by bit. And secondly, to be able to relate to people in a sinful world. What does relational success look like? What are elements that your child needs to be able to understand and succeed in? Most of the pain that you have had in your life is related to relationships. Well, my dad this, my, my mom, usually not the moms, I mean, but every once in a while you have a mom situation that's not so great. My sister, my brother, or in broken families, you know, my stepfather, my stepmother. It might be something even, I mean, this goes your whole life long. It might be an issue related to an inheritance. And I've got family members that 20 years after the inheritance was settled, I don't think they need another term, they're upset and they won't speak to each other. Brother and sister. Can your children survive relationally? It will affect their ability to form a happy marriage. It will affect their ability to be a blessing to their children. I, got, I made a little list here. What are some uh, keys to the key? I said, well, what's the, you know, the key to your children's success is that they can succeed relationally, that they know how to form and maintain strong relationships. So what's the, what are some of the keys to the key? I got a little list here. One is they must learn to express love. Do your children know how to express love? They need to learn the principles of servanthood. And if you or your teenagers are like most teenagers, you think, I don't think they're ever going to get that one. You know, it's like good grief. They were born to be a princess in the worst way, you know. It's like, I'm thirsty, I need a drink. You know, why, isn't, why are you so slow? Look at these shoes. Oh, you know, you want me to go to school like that? Oh, you know. Yes, sir. So sorry, ma'am. I'll be right on it. Servanthood. Do they even know what it is? Do they know why it's important? Have they look, uh, you know, do they know that it's more blessed to give than to receive? Some of these things you teach. You also have to model it. You also have to pray it into their life because even though you've talked about it and you've maybe modeled it, they obviously are not getting it. So you kind of, a lot of these things, you sort of have to throw everything you've got at it. You know, not, not, there's not, uh, as, even though these are the keys to the key, it's not uh, a slam dunk. I'll say, oh, I, I didn't know that. I, if I do that then, well, yeah, go try. You know, <laughs> you know it's uh, by the grace of God that they're going to get it. But they can get it. The dynamics of trust. A lot of people don't even understand the dynamics of trust. What is it? I know of a, a dating situation and um, they fell into some sexual inappropriate behavior, being Christians, you know, I, I guess they're in their 20s, so I mean, and it's nobody that's in this church even. But, and obviously the guy had failed in his spiritual leadership in the situation, and so she's backing off of the relationship, 
And he says, I feel betrayed. I feel like you won't trust me. They're like, duh. You know, trust is always earned. You have no right to be trusted if you don't demonstrate that you're trustworthy. And notice this. Even God doesn't ask us to trust him without being trustworthy. You go back and look at the passages where God commands us to trust him and look at how he tries to sell you on the idea. And always you'll notice he's, he says, because I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. I've always been, I have demonstrated that I'm trustworthy. So trust me. He doesn't just say, trust me because I am God and you are man. And it is right for the creature to trust the creator. He says, no, I'm not, I'm not asking you to just do it like that. He says, I'll demonstrate that I'm trustworthy. If God Almighty does that being perfect, how much more in human relationships we must demonstrate that we're trustworthy or admit the fact I'm not trustworthy and I don't deserve to be trusted. The dynamics of trust. Forgiveness, how to receive forgiveness, how to give forgiveness. Most people don't even really know how properly to ask for forgiveness. They'll say something like, well, if in any way I have offended you, please forgive me. What does that really say? If you are so sensitive and so picky that someone as noble as I have, have managed to offend you, forgive me. I have just insulted them. But technically I've asked for forgiveness. You see, children don't grow up just automatically knowing these things. In fact, there are a lot of adults that don't know these things. And guess what? A lot of adults don't have very good relationships with it either. The dynamics of forgiveness. Reconciliation. Because all relationships struggle. We are all sinners. And there's always going to be difficult times in any intimate relationship. And so a key to being successful in relationships isn't that you never have problems. It's that you know what to do about them when you get them. What are the ways that when there is a problem and there's a distance in the marriage relationship with the child and you can tell something is the matter, what are you going to do about it? Those are the principles of reconciliation. What does it take for two estranged parties to come back together again? And God's demonstrated what did it take for us to be come back into a relationship with him because we were his enemies. He said we were, like, we were like animals. We were corpses. We were so far away from God and under his wrath. And God figured out a way to come back into an intimate and eternal relationship with us. And so it's all there in the scripture in different ways. Uh, that would be a great one to talk about some week. But anyway, another one, communication. The principles of communication. Do your children know how to communicate? Do you know how to communicate? Well, well how, do you, how do you judge it? Well, I say, I'm talking. Talking is not necessarily communicating. It's communicating is when I express myself in such a way that you get what it was I was trying to say. And what I meant by it. Haven't you seen situations where one person is saying one thing and you can tell the other person is getting something else out of it? That's not good communication. Because the first person thinks, I'm telling them. And the second person thinks, I know what you're telling me. <laughs> and so it's not getting better with talking. It's getting worse. You know, it says, oh, a fire. Let me get, let me get, you get a bucket of gas and throw it on the fire. Whew, it's even worse now. So, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't talk. And it just, no matter what you do, it seems like it just gets worse. Principles of communication. The skill of listening. Most people have never had any kind of training on what does it take to be a good listener and why is that important? A 
authority and submission. Most people don't have a construct in their mind to understand when you're in charge, what does that mean? It's a role of servanthood. And when you're in charge, you're still never fully in charge because there's somebody in charge over you that you're, you're going to have to give an account to. And so it's a role of faithfulness, of stewardship, of submission to your higher authority. I don't get to tell my kids what to do just because I'm in charge. I tell my kids, we all have to do, we all have to respond to the authorities over us. All of us are under authority. It's not though, you, when you're a kid, you're under authority, so you got to do what dad says, but when you get to be in charge, then you are the king, and you can send people, and you can get hot and cold running whatever you want, you know, because you're in charge. And so uh, the, the, what the world teaches people is when you're under authority, figure out the best way to rebel. And when you are the authority, make the most of it. Crush them under your foot, you know, the slime. And so the whole world is, has, has totally distorted what it means to be under authority and to be in charge. When Jesus came, who is now the king over the whole universe, he said, I have not come to do my will, but the Father's. He modeled perfectly submission to his authority. And it says, because of what Jesus did and how he did it, he says, God has taken him and exalted him above every person, entity in the whole universe. Well, I wanted to give you a particular example, okay? I've kind of given you an overview, but thinking about how do my children do relationally? How do I do relationally? Ha-ha! Because, you see, you re reproduce after your own kind. And that's why you need to get this book, or, and other books like it. I mean, not, not the only book, but this book really will put you onto some things, this, uh, The Disconnected Generation, that will get you thinking. It's, it's not enough to know, we have a problem. You need to know, well, what's, but what's the nature of the problem? And uh, what are some things I could do that might help? So I want to I share one particular thing. The, the first thing I mentioned was, at the, do your children know how to express love? And a lot of that will depend on to what degree they've ever received love. You can't give away something you never got. And uh, he's got one chapter on affection. He says, when we show affection to young people, we give them a sense of lovability. When we show affection to young people, we give them a sense of lovability. Expressing affection to our kids through loving words and appropriate touch communicates to them that they are worth loving. Now, I'm just going to hit a couple of the highlights because I was reading this last night. I thought, oh, I've got to tell my group tomorrow this. This is so good. Family psychologist Ken, Kevin Lehman teaches that we should never underestimate the power of a simple hug. Uh, one doctor did a study of 49 different cultures. He learned that the more violent societies were the ones in which touching and caressing were rare in the family. This is true for youth and adults as it, as it is for infants and small children. We never outgrow the need for affection. One of the most common ways young people reach out emotional attachment is through an affectionate relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. He says, but if I were to name one major reason that young people become sexually involved, listen up, parents of teenagers, one of the main reasons why they become sexually involved, even having been raised in an environment where you say that would not please God, it is the lack of an emotional and relational connection between kids and their parents, especially their fathers. 
Sorry, guys, this is your day. Huh. Everywhere I travel and speak, I'm confronted by young people who are starved for affection from their parents, especially their fathers. I received a note from a 15-year-old girl, Dear Diary. She tore a page out of her diary. Dear Diary, I felt lonely tonight, and I thought about the many times in my life that I have felt lonely, intense loneliness, as though I were here all alone. And I realized that what I was lonely for was a daddy, to be able to call him up when I hurt and hear him say he understands and know he listens to me. But I never had that with my dad, and so I am lonely without that link to my past. And then I thought about the young girl who this very night will lose her virginity because she is searching for love, her father's love. And I want to be able to stop her somehow and tell her that she'll never find it in another man. How my heart is wrenched when I think of this girl, when I think of myself. For my life has been one big search for my father's love. When kids tell me about a lack of love at home, they most often talk about their, their fathers. Today's young people miss a sense of love and affection from their fathers, and the consequences are tragic. Then he goes into talking about how, uh, how you can improve. Our study revealed that youth who are very close to their parents would, would say, the youth would say, I'm very close to my parents, they're more likely to feel very satisfied with their life, more likely to abstain from sexual intercourse, more likely to espouse biblical standards of truth and morality, more likely to attend church, more likely to read their Bible consistently, and more likely to pray daily. Do you see why I told you this morning that the key to your children's success is relational? As much as you want them to learn to be responsible and get good grades, underneath all of that, that fuels everything else is how are they doing relationally, their ability to relate. And if you have a child that has trouble relating, I don't know if you could say this 100%, but I'll say a real high percentage, whatever it would be, it's almost always, if not always, simply a reflection of the parents. It's just that simple. They say, well, my child has a particular person. Every human being was made to relate. God is a relational God. We were made in His image. Every human being, it doesn't matter what their personality is, every human being was made to be relational. And if they're not, something went wrong. And the biggest relational imprint on a child's life is always the people that raised them. I mean, some are raised in foster homes, so I'm not going to say it's their biological parents because some never knew their biological parents. It's the way they saw mom and dad relate, resolve difficulties, express affection. I remember my father would walk into the kitchen, embrace my mom, and then look over at us with sort of a half grin on and say, I hope your kids find a uh, wife as wonderful as I've got. You know, and at the time, I probably thought it was kind of cheesy. <laughs> but I carry it with me as a treasure to this day. What do your kids see? 
do they see a mom and a dad that know how to talk and when they don't get along find ways to resolve it or it's just a cold sh shoulder or just a ceasefire we'll just let it go by it's never truly dealt with what are they picking up in the way y'all relate in fact the first thing he says in how to show affection to your youth is be affectionate in your marriage I'm convinced that children feel loved and cared for when their parents are open or openly but appropriately affectionate at home I sometimes hug like hug Wendy in the kitchen or something and Caroline oh brother don't start that again you know when our daughter Kelly was younger I used to ask her Kelly do you know that I love your mother she would smile and reply yeah I know it how do you know it because you always tell her what if I lost my voice and couldn't tell her how would you know then that I love your mother because you always kiss her what if I got chapped lips and couldn't kiss her how would you know then because you always hug her what if I broke both my arms and couldn't hug her how would you know then then Kelly would give me the answer I was looking for because of the way you treat her men as your wife is the mother of your children your queen your princess what have you communicated to your children and even if you didn't have kids do you treasure the wife of your youth in the way you treat her oh yeah I love her I told her that years ago <laughs> well we're to the end of our time but I want to just underscore here or we've looked at a particular situation a particular illustration of it in terms of affection but those are the kind of things that long range are going to matter a whole lot more than what grade they were making in algebra or which college they went to or if they went to college or what profession you want to study what you want to become a, a, a what an entomologist what's that studying bugs whatever none of those things really matter it's their ability to relate to understand relationships to cultivate relationships to repair broken relationships and that almost completely depends on how much have you learned about that and you need to be a voracious learner there's some people that you can tell now that person that couple they really know how to have healthy relationships and get with them talk to them uh, there are tons of people I could tell you about in my past where when I would see things like that I would try to get with those people nobody's born knowing these things to find somebody who's a carrier of the real disease and just get around them maybe they don't even know what it is they're doing right but they just do it right naturally and just to be with them to watch the way they relate as a couple or, or their kids or something you know maybe they got kids the same age as your kids so let, well, let's go out to the I don't know sesquicentennial and kick the soccer ball it doesn't matter let's just get around them because they've got something and I and I want to just see what I can learn from them be a learner you be growing and developing let's pray Lord we thank you so much we've just had some adventures here together and you know I'm just kind of groping along in this topic but we really sense that you have met with us and we thank you that you're a relational God and that you have spoken to us in wonderful ways through your son Jesus Christ and in the Holy Scriptures and I pray that you'd help us Lord that you would heal our woundedness and our ability to relate to give and receive love to be servants to be trustworthy to know how to communicate deeply to listen well to deal well when I'm in authority or when I'm in submission 
All of these things, Lord, we need to grow. We can grow. By the grace of God, we will grow. And I pray that you would make us effective, more effective in passing on these truths, uh, these keys to the greatest key of our children's success, learning to have and cultivate healthy relationships. Thank you, Lord. Bless us. And these seed thoughts, Lord, water them and produce a beautiful garden in each person's heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on Bringing Truth to Life. If the message has encouraged you, please subscribe and give us a review. This helps more people find our podcast. We hope you'll join us again for the next podcast of Bringing Truth to Life.